and welcome to the Ministry of Parents Podcast, episode 61. I am Sass. I am here with my friends, Carrie Ray and Amy Diller, who are uh, 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 incredible, incredible people. And um, we're talking about what does it mean or how, how can we, uh, as ministry leaders, help parents get in the game, if you will. It's fall. It's football. Carrie's in Alabama. And so, like, games, I'm sure are talked about all the time. And so I got, I got a question for both of you guys before we, you know, can we jump into this? Um, I'm gonna start with you, Amy, Amy. Um, what is the, the, your favorite game to play? Like family game, card game, sport game, whatever your personal favorite game to play. Okay. Um, I have to give just a little bit of an explanation. We play very nerdy board games, like, People haven't heard of them. Um, strategy games with lots of historical background. Fun. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's a game that uh, I have lots of favorites there. So I gotcha. but nobody would know what, what they were. <laughs> Nerdy strategy that board games. I bet people out there have heard and or playing the games you're talking about. Pick one, Amy. What's, what's, if you had to pick one, which one do you think people have probably haven't heard of? People probably have heard of Ticket to Ride because it's in mm-hmm. in uh, Target and other stores like that. So that was one of our early ones. And we've gotten more and more difficult and strategy-based since then. <laughs> I'm about to Google nerdy strategy board games and see what comes up. <laughs> there, are pl- there are plenty out there. There are yes. plenty out there. Yes, yes. I was thinking, okay. you, you mentioned Alabama. Yes, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. And... Obviously, I am neither a fan of the Roll Tide Elephants or the Auburn Tiger War Eagle who can't decide which mascot to follow. Wow, um, shots I'm, fired both ways. I, you're right. I, and I've taught my daughter uh, who started middle school here. Um, I said, you know, they're going to ask you, are you Alabama or Auburn? And you stand tall and say, neither. <laughs> That's what you do. You stand tall and say, no, thank you, neither. Okay, so, but there's got to be an, if it's like, who do you stand for, Carrie, and your family? What's the answer? You know what? It's different. Uh, my wife is a um, blue bleeding Kentucky fan. Um, more, I know, more in basketball, oh. obviously, oh, even worse. Than, than anything else. Um, she bleeds the blue. And now that they are playing football, and recently there has been a much, um, what, uh, tweeted? How about that? A much tweeted. A controversy where the basketball coach John Calipari for Kentucky uh, made a disparaging comment about the football program yes, and the school did. and it being a basketball school in which the coach of the football team said, "Oh no, no." Um, so very interesting there. But uh, I uh, I am a fan a um, a fan of the underdog, literally Mississippi State, which is where I started school. And then my daughter is Switzerland. She refuses to pick on purpose she will not choose either team my son being who he is personality wise he likes to pick um to tell one my wife he's a mississippi state guy and he'll tell me he's a kentucky fan just to you know twist the knife on either side but i was gonna say you, you mentioned me being in alabama which is you know very big football but amy is also in a state that is a very large football back yeah. and forth are you are you true green or are you the maize and blue. I am maize and blue through and through. My husband wow. and I both graduated from Michigan, so we support our team. 
See, and I feel great because for both of the schools that y'all mentioned, Kentucky and Michigan, I feel like my shade of blue kind of has a little bit of a one up on y'all, which is so fun. Um, Don't say y'all. I'm not. I'm I'm maroon and white all the way. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, get a cowbell and start ringing it or something. Right? That's but, right, um, baby. I'm just gonna say go heels, and you know the world knows what I mean. So. Anyway, they, so they've that's also started. They've also started playing football. So good they, for you they, guys. They, yes, we are playing a little football in Chapel Hill. So, so we hope. Uh, at least that's what we've been told. We'll we'll see if that's really the case by the time this podcast airs. <laughs> we, we may be like you know, <laughs> one in four sometimes. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Fall. Who knows? Uh, so anyway, here's what we're talking about. We, we want parents to be in the game. Um, we want them to be in the game when it comes to helping their kids develop uh, a life of faith. We want them to be in the game when it comes to what it is that we're doing at church. And so that's what we're going to talk about this month is, is how we can help parents be in the game and not just be on the sidelines kind of watching and paying attention. I mean, obviously a lot of parents are really good at being on the sidelines and yelling. Uh, you just go to a soccer match and <laughs> you can hear parents. <laughs> They're not in the game, but boy, do they! it seems like they want to be. <laughs> but Gary, how, how would you start this conversation off? Uh, just kind of us helping parents be in the game. Yeah, I, I think um, having worked alongside parents and, the, and their students, their teenagers for many, many years, um, one of the things, maybe this is, and I don't think this is true just for teenage, the teenage time, but it, it probably um, turns up the volume during the, right around the time when they hit 11 and, and things start to change. Um, but, you know, parents tend to typically want to bury their heads in the sand um, and go, when it comes to engaging in the spiritual life of my child, Right around that 11 year old, they're like, I don't know what to do. Um, she started saying weird things. Uh, she started locking the door to her room. Um, he started wearing deodorant for the first time. That's kind of weird. Or, you know, he actually took a shower today, which is even stranger. Um, there, but there's this time where parents all of a sudden start disengaging. And I did a breakout years ago on ostrich parenting of, you know, of, sticking their head in the ground and just waiting for the storm to pass. Um, and, and it doesn't happen. And the problem is the, the storm, the, the, the storm of all of the angst may blow over, but by the time you pull your head out of the sand as a parent, your child has grown um, and it is too late. I, if any youth pastors or children's pastors listening to today to this, to this podcast, I bet you can count the number of times a parent has come to you as a child is much older, let's say they're 17, 18 years old and said, my child is now in this. Can you fix it? And you look at them, gosh, it breaks your heart. Cause you think, man, I've been, I would have loved to engage back here when we could have engaged and, and, and put some things in place, but you're coming in now it, it's too late. Um, in a sense. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there's a set time for salvation that I, absolutely not, but I am saying that it is, there are some things that you have already allowed, some railroad tracks you've already allowed to be laid down at this point. And man, it's going to be a lot of work to rearrange those tracks. And so I guess for me, it's asking this whole podcast and this, this whole month through ministryofparents.com, we're, we're, we're asking the question, get in the game. Uh, don't just sit back and, and definitely don't bury your head in the sand. Ostriches don't even do that, by the way. That's a, that's a farce. They don't. Even, that's a myth. They really, really? don't do that. Yeah, I did that's not know not a, that. That's not a thing. Um, but but don't do that. Don't do it as a parent. Don't don't bow out. Don't check out. Um, don't don't get so 
worried in the in the angst and the tornado of, of angst and emotion and and puberty that you just go, I'm out. I can't deal with this. Yeah. This is the time to lean in, not lean out. This is the time to get into the game, not sit on the sidelines and cheer and go, you know, Hercules, Hercules, they're going to be great. I love everything they do. Um, gosh, I don't want to engage because I don't want to correct them, you know, and this is going to get me on a soapbox, but I'm going to go there anyway. Uh, you know, a lot of times I hear parents say, well, if I, if I say this, if I do this, if I engage here, if I engage there, um, my kids are going to be angry with me. Hmm. They're, they're going to, they need a parent. They don't need a, they, they've got plenty of friends. Uh, they need a parent. They need a parent who cares enough about them spiritually to engage. They need a parent who loves them enough and, and realizes the significance of their spiritual journey enough to hold them accountable and say, I don't care if you know you made the decision to stay to go out with your friends the other night. We're still going to church today. Hey, you made the commitment to this small group. You're still going. Hey, Wednesday night midweek. It's not an option. As long as you live in this house, it's not an option. You're going to go. Well, I'm tired. Well, I've got this. Well, I've got that. I know, but this matters. And so, I guess for me, this whole thing is is, is encouraging and talking about how do we get parents, how do we equip parents, how do we challenge parents to get out of the stands, get their heads out of the sand and engage, get in the game. That's great. I mean, so, so many things come to mind for me. Like I, I know that one of the, the, I think the reasons why it's so hard for parents to do that kind of during that age that you were talking about, Carrie, is I think what happens to a lot of us is we get into what I call mechanical parenting to where, you know, okay, you got to get up and you got to have breakfast and you got to get, you know, your stuff together and you got to put your shoes on and you got to go to school and you got to go to get home and do homework and go to practice, you know, whatever order that's in and get you, okay, now we got to eat dinner and we got to kind of just all fall down in exhaustion and then do it again. And what gets crowded out is being in the game when it comes to kind of their, their emotional, their spiritual, kind of their relational well-being, the relationship is what gets crowded out. And so parents just, they, they, they don't know how to find the time to, to do the things that are, are important. And I think they also just are scared of, you know, the questions that are brewing behind the locked door mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't know how to answer the questions. And so therefore it's just easier to, to check out and stay, stay out of the game. Um, Amy, what thoughts do you have when it comes to this? Maybe you know, a little more from a children's ministry perspective or just from you being a parent perspective. Um, I was jotting notes all while Carrie was talking because there's so many things that came to my mind. One of the things that I see from a children's ministry perspective is that um, encourage parents to get resources and look at what's coming that yes, your child is eight years old right now, but before you know it, they're going to be a preteen, they're going to be a teen. And you have to know what the end game is going to be. What, you know, why are we, why are we in this game? What is the result? And so just encouraging parents to, you know, think ahead, what are you doing today to have an open door and a relationship so that you can address issues in the future and not feel like I'm, I'm out, I'm on the sidelines. I'm just going to watch other people take care of my kids' needs. Um, And then I thought about the, you know, the old game of life where 
it focuses on, you know, you either go to work or you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you have to pay bills, you know, all of those things. And those things really, um, we focus a lot of time and energy on those things. And we celebrate those things. We want our kids to be successful in those things. And yet it's not the most important thing. And so having that understanding that the most important thing is to invest in your child to be an open door, let them ask questions, encourage their faith on their own because they do get older and they start separating from your faith to their own. And we want them to be able to own their relationship with the Lord and what they're going to do as a, as a Christian in their life going forward when they're not living under our roofs, they're not daily getting our input in the atmosphere at home so that they can stand on their feet. And that takes us being very intentional and not, not missing out on these opportunities. Yeah. And part of what I hear you saying, Amy, and I love it because I've heard it said before, what we need to do is parent with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and what you were saying is to be looking ahead to what is the next stage of life that your, your, your child or your teenager is going to be in. And there are resources that are Mm -hmm. available for parents to be able to learn, Oh, like this is what a 12 year old is going to be thinking, or this is what's going to be kind of going on in the life of a 15 year old or an eight year old or whatever phase is next for you. Uh, But to encourage parents to be kind of looking a little bit down the road, um, and, and then just one practical thing that comes to mind for me is, um, what if we as ministry leaders were doing a good job of putting parents in a room with people who have kids who are in that next phase, mm-hmm. right? Connecting them to someone who has kind of been there, done that, if you will, to learn, Hey, here's some, some things that we can do that, that, that we missed Here's some things that were great in our family, but just facilitating relationships among parents, mm-hmm. um, helps them stay in the game. Because, uh, if I can talk to another parent about what you did well, or what you didn't do well, um, I'm, I'm maybe apt to be a little bit more engaged. And so kind of, I think that's a practical thing that, that you as a ministry leader can do is just facilitate conversations mm-hmm. among parents to be able to help them kind of stay in the game. I'll tell you, one of the things we did practically, um, in youth ministry was to, capitalize or leverage the times where parents were already, let's call it freaking out um, a little bit. Um, And in different ministry, you have different structures of whether you have sixth grade or eighth grade or whatever. Um, But in this context, we had sixth graders coming in being middle schoolers as incoming sixth graders. And we know that parents were, were panicky about that. And so we intentionally created an event um, for parents um, because they're, you know, it's during that time of the year where they're coming in and, you know, you know, as your, as your kids get older, you start going to less and less of the meet the teacher stuff. Um, <laughs> let's just, let's just say that out loud. All right. Let's all admit it. Um, but early on you, you show up at everything because you're panicky, mm-hmm. you're confused. You want to make sure that, you know, you've got the right pencil pouch and type of count, you know, $900 calculator you're supposed to have for this year. Um, so we tried to capitalize on that and we, we met in sixth grade and then incoming eighth graders as well. I'm sorry, incoming ninth graders. Um, and we had a time where we talked about who your child is. Hey, this is what you're walking your, your child. We talked about 
Uh, and it's, it's all online and you can find these kind of things. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. It's all out there. There's more information than you could ever use about cognitive development in, in, the, in middle school and what that looks like, spiritual development in middle school and what that looks like. And just laying some of those things out there for parents in, in incoming sixth graders, what we talked about was you're not crazy. It's okay. <laughs> there is a lot of change yeah. about to take place in the life of your child and it doesn't make you a bad parent. And it doesn't make you nuts and it doesn't make your child broken. What it makes your child is normal. Mm-hmm. Here are the things to expect. You know, these, these are, and, and actually, you know, when you look at the cognitive development side of it, here, here are the reasons those things are happening. And these are expectations. These are not malfunctions. They're mm-hmm. actually expectations of this stage of life. And you can see some of the collective shoulders go down. Yeah, and, for sure. and for parents who had, you know, this was their third or fourth middle schooler to come up, you know, you could see them laugh and go, I wish I would have known that, you know, the first go around, but you can have those. If you're intentional, you can have that same thing going into ninth grade. Hey, your child is walking into ninth into high school. Here's what's coming. Here's how those relationships are going to change. Here's some of the things to expect. And I would tell you, and this, maybe I said this um, in a not rude way, but if you are wise as a ministry, you can not only tell a parent what's coming, you tell them this. So therefore, this is why we offer these things in student ministry. These are how those things, the things that we are doing connect to these, these stages and phases of life. Um, and it's intentional. We did this on purpose. Uh, this is why you hear us say it's important to get your kid into a Sunday school class or a small group because they're craving relationships. They need, they need people in their life speaking into them. This is an important thing. If you can communicate those things and cheerlead parents into getting into this game with their child and seeing why they just keep telling them to come to this thing over here. They just all the all the time they're just banging this drum about small group, small group, small group. Yeah, but this is your chance to say it's not just about small group. I don't. It's not about attendance. It's about you've got another adult that's going to speak into the life of your child. That's going to walk alongside your child. They're not going to be in competition with you. They're going to be echoing the same things you're saying at home that your child stopped listening to two years ago. <laughs> They're going to say it and your kid's going to come home and say, well, my small group leader says that. Da, 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 da. Dang you're it. I've like, been saying that to you for four years. <laughs> I've been saying that to you for four years, but you bite your tongue and you go, well, isn't that great, man, your small group leader is a genius. I really love them. You should hang out with them more. Um, but you know, it's those kind of things for me. It's, I think you be intentional and I, I, Amy, I don't want to speak into your world because I'm not a children's person, but I would think the same principle applies of saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's some natural phases where parents are more engaged than they ever will be. And if we, as children's ministries lean into that intentionally and say, Hey, let's talk about this elementary phase of life. Hey, let's talk about this you know, odd transition into the fourth and fifth and sixth grade of, am I this or am I that, you know, what am I looking for? Who are they? What are they trying to do? What, how are they thinking at this stage in life? Um, and like I said, there's tons of information out there. Pick one, pick, pick what you want, pick which sources you want to use, but just give that to parents so they can say, okay, so I'm not, I'm, I haven't broken my child. I haven't done this wrong. Um, and then also, Chris, uh, you talked about, Sass talked about putting people in the room that are a stage ahead of them. Also putting people in the room that are right there with them mm-hmm. so that they can hear other parents talking and go, all right, so it's not just me. 
Deep it's breath. Not, Deep it's breath. not just, I'm not the Lone Ranger in this because, you know, all of us as moms and dads, for those of you who haven't gotten there yet, it, when you become a mom and dad, you start going, I'm doing this wrong. I've got to be doing this wrong. <laughs> this can't be the way everybody else is doing this. But, you, you know, when you're in the room and you're hearing other people talk about it and you're hearing other people go, yeah, my mine's the same way. You go, oh, okay. Yeah. This yeah, is okay. So so true. But I right. just, you know, getting them into that game, that's, that helps them get into the game, equipping them with the knowledge that I'm not breaking this child. Yeah, that's totally true. So, um, Amy, we're going to come to you in just a minute, but before we do, we're going to take a very quick break as we're talking about how we as ministry leaders can help uh, parents get in the game. You're listening to the Ministry to Parents podcast. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm a youth minister. Hello, I'm Reverend Jeremiah, and I serve as pastor to the young people. Hey, Jeremiah. It's nice to meet you. Please call me Reverend Jeremiah or Jeremiah the Reverend. It's fine. (laughs) All right, Rev. Tell me a little bit about your ministry. Well, we gather twice weekly in order that we might study from the Word of God. It's awesome. What tools and resources do you use? Uh, The Bible. Yeah, of course. Do you use anything else? Um, What else would we need? Well, I know my ministry uses a ton of resources by YM360. It's super helpful and their team is really supportive. Oh, well, I'm happy for you, but I'm pretty good on doing everything on my own. Sounds kind of lonely. For me, I love having a place that I can go for resources that I can trust with people who are always in my corner. Oh, interesting. So, uh, when we... We left a few moments ago. Um, Carrie had just kind of spent some time talking just about some great practical things that we can do, kind of really in the student ministry world. So, Amy, kind of what are some things that you were thinking during the middle of that conversation around how we can help parents get in the game? Well, one of the things, Carrie, that you said about, um, and Sass, I think you talked about it a little bit too, was get parents together with parents who have been there before, parents who are there with you. And I would encourage parents to also have the parents who are coming up, um, having those relationships, all three of them is, it's, it's a relief, you know, (laughs) to each other. And if you as a parent can be very transparent about what's going on, what difficulties you're facing, what wins that you've had with your kids, then it allows other people to be real too. And instead of giving the answers that we think make things sound better than we feel like they are at home. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, I mean, there's a model for that. There's the older generation disciples, the younger generation. That's why I think that that third component of, you know, find a couple, find another parent who has kids that are heading toward your stage of life so that you can encourage them and say, Hey, you know, you'll get here. It's going to be okay. And here's what I've learned. And I'm here to answer questions for you. I think having that discipleship relationship too is a a great component. But one of the things that I was thinking of too was, you know, and when you have little kids, when you have elementary ages, um, they start, you know, preschool on, you have lots of opportunities to be involved in everything they do. Um, You know, you can coach your kids, you can be a parent in a classroom, you can go on field trips, all of those things. And it seems like, you know, elementary is where parents 
come to the meet the teacher and they, they do the open house, they go to conferences, they want to know, they want to be engaged with their kids and make sure, you know, how my, how are my kids doing? And naturally, um, culture pushes parents out and it like, as they get older into middle school and then certainly into high school, um, it doesn't seem like there's as many opportunities given to parents to be participants um, rather than to just be observers. And so you have to fight for that. Um, you have to look for ways that you can be involved. Uh, church is a great place. That's a you know great way to recruit volunteers. <laughs> like, hey, you know, your kids still need you around that your preteens and teenagers may act like you don't know anything in the world, but they are hearing it. Whether they express it to you or not, they are hearing you and you are still the biggest role model in their lives. I, I, I saw great. a thing, I saw a thing, Amy, that I mentioned. Sorry, Seth. I saw a thing mentioned, uh, it was a survey done, and it, it was just commenting on that alone, saying that over and over again, when teenagers, uh, when children are, are asked, what is the number one influence in your life? It's still parents. Mm -hmm. It's still parents. We don't, we don't talk about it because, you know, and I'm, because culture seems to be the obvious go-to culture is the biggest influencer, but when you ask them, they actually say the parent. Yeah. Yeah. But you did mention, Amy mentioned, just asked the C word of culture. And I wanted to jump on that for just a moment and, and talk about that because I think as we talk about parents, in any phase of life, burying their heads in the sand. One of the reasons that I hear from parents again and again is I don't know how to engage with that out there. Um, and you can, you know, it it doesn't really matter on where you stand on the culture war, um, whether you're, hey, we, we lost that thing a long, we as Christians lost that culture war a long time ago, or, hey, we're still in the fight, get in there and swing. Um, that's not what this is about to me as much as um, on the on the teenager side of things. Um, teaching parents, encouraging parents, and even equipping parents to redeem the culture versus building a moat. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, the, the culture piece is just so fearful. I, I tell parents, and Amy, I'd love to hear your take on this on the children's side. Um, I was watching, I, I be believe it or not, they still have MTV um, video mm -hmm. awards. That was not too long ago. And I I made it a point to watch it and I watch it every year. I watch a couple of cultural things that, you know, the ward shows and things like that, not because I enjoy them just because I want to keep up and I want to see what's out there and what people are doing and saying and talking about and who's who and who are the influencers quote unquote. And I know we live in a different world now with social media where influencer means something different and everybody can be one. Um, we've got nine-year-olds with millions and millions of followers. Um, we've got, you know, 16 year olds with billions of followers. Um, so this, this whole piece of, of culture, I was watching that though. <laughs> it sounds, I, I felt like the curmudgeon as I'm watching that going, you know, I felt like I sounded like my mom and dad and I started chuckling and just going, Oh no. Oh no. Uh, uh, some of the things you were seeing and hearing and, and where our culture is. And it's so true that our, that our kids, no matter, like I said before, I have a 13 year old right now, daughter and an eight year old son, and they, I wouldn't say they, they I mean, I, they're immersed, uh, they're submerged in this culture. And I, as a parent, I can do one of two things. 
I can build a moat and some high walls and hope to not let them out until they're in their 30s and to protect them from all the things, or I can teach them to redeem the culture and, and see things. I, as a parent, can try to redeem things and engage in conversations. Um, I talk to parents, Amy, all the time about, and in doing that, of, of going, you've got to understand the culture. You have to at least engage. And so download an app that you don't know. Watch watch some shows that aren't geared for you. Um, watch award shows. I know you're going to roll your eyes and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're not wearing that. <laughs> or they are wearing that, um, you know, or what they're saying or what they're dancing or how, how, but you need to see it. You don't need to know. You don't need to be an expert in culture. You just need to know enough to freak your kid out. Um, you need to know <laughs> who's on the radio. And so when, when it comes on, take that moment to engage. This is what we talk to parents about a lot is taking that. When you hear something on the radio, uh, let's, I don't want to pick on any certain artists, but I will say recently this happened. Um, one of the, popular Doja Cat songs came on and it was going and, you know, it was the radio edit version. And, you know, I had to decide if I was going to engage. And I talked to my daughter about, do you know what she's actually, the, the parts that are bleeped out, do you know what she's talking about? She's like, no. She's like, I don't know there were parts. <laughs> she's just humming along, singing along. And, you know, but it was a, it was an open door to a conversation. And to get in the game, Sass is, is saying, hey, Look for those open doors and take them. Look for those open doors. Step out of the stands. Step, get your head out of the sand and actually engage and redeem those moments. Whether, I mean, you're as a, as a dude with a, with a son, the amount of coaches that are screwing up stuff left and right, that you have football players that are making mistakes that you can go watch an ESPN with your kid and saying, Hey, hit pause for a moment and go, Hey, what do you think about what LeBron said? Hey, what do you think about how such and such handled themselves? Hey, what do you think? Uh, Brady just made a comment about this or that. What do you, hey, what do you think about that comment? And, you know, how do, how do we handle that in, as Christ followers in this house? What does, what does that mean to us? Um, Amy, what do you, I mean, what about you on the, on the children's side? How, how do you encourage parents to engage in those moments and do, to redeem them in the moment versus bowing out, checking out, or just flipping the channel in disgust? Yeah, I think some of it is um, parents are afraid. And so anything that we're afraid of, the tough conversations, um, we tend to back away from. But we need to not be afraid of something that our kids are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And I used to do the same thing with my girls, Carrie. We'd be in the car and listening to some songs that they liked. And I would ask questions. Do you know, you know, what do you think they're talking about here? Do you think that this is a way to live or is this just to get listens or follows or, you know, be edgy? Um, So definitely having those conversations then, but even, even age appropriate conversations when they're younger, because they're hooked into technology, I see kids younger and younger and younger getting their own phones Mm -hmm. and, and parents, um, I don't know, parents think that, well, they're, they're only playing kids apps or this. They're not, they're not, you can be, you can be very diligent about, you know, like, okay, well you can have this app and you can have that app, but most of them have chat features and all kinds of things that kids can wander into and hear and see things that they're not ready for yet. 
And so you have to start, you have to start when they're younger and not, but you have to be age appropriate about it. Like, you know, if, if it's younger siblings hear music per se that older siblings listen to, and, you know, you have to also have the conversation with the little one of, you know, we don't really we don't really believe that this is a song that encourages us and lifts us up. And so we're deciding that we're not going to listen to this song in the house because uh, as a school teacher, as a ministry leader, you'd hear kids coming into class and either quoting lines from movies or TV shows and singing lyrics of songs, they absorb it. And So it's not just don't wait until your kids are in the thick of it and they're navigating culture more on their own. Start, start when they're young, you know, talk about expectations for technology, demonstrate it for them. Um, The choices that you make as a parent, they absorb. And so what you are allowing and not allowing are important in your home. And And the culture side coming at them too. Yeah. um, there was a time when you pursued things and now those things pursue you and they pursue mm-hmm. your children. I was talking to um, a family about uh, pornography addiction in their child and how they, it didn't stumble upon it. It came seeking that, that child. It was yeah. looking for the kid. Um, you don't have to look for it anymore. Um, so, you know, the Buzz Lightyear movie on Disney is we're recording this now. And, and that's a thing that people are still talking about. And, you know, that's a movie that's set for kids. And yet there's an, there's an agenda there. There's, mm-hmm. there are things there and we can either choose as a family to go, Hey, we're going to cancel Disney and we can stomp our foot or we can say, Hey, we're going to cancel Disney. And this is why, because mm-hmm. of this thing. And this is what, and this is what that means in our family. And we're going to have those conversations. And, I, and that's what I mean. SAS by redeeming, redeeming the culture. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not advocating in the least at, at throwing your kids, you know, I'm going to walk my child down bourbon street at night just to say I did so. But I am going to redeem the moments that come into my own home, that come into you know our cars, that come into our conversations. I, as a parent, have got to step out at that point. I can't be a cheerleader anymore. I have to step out of the stands. I have to engage. If I don't engage in the spiritual direction and upbringing of my children, somebody else is, and it's going to be culture. And that's not necessarily who I want teaching my children right wrong and moral truth especially right. in a culture that doesn't believe the truth exists mm-hmm. yeah so yeah one of the ways that i've heard it said uh in the last couple of years is kind of what's going on in the culture and everything that's kind of around our kids it's just the soup in which they swim i don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever heard kind of that phrase and so i mean mm-hmm. you're, you're right carrie we, we can be- believe that maybe we can build a moat or big high walls, but, but the moment that that technology is in their hand or the moment they walk out of our home to go to a school, even a Christian school. I mean, I can tell you stories of Christian school things going on. And Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, we think we are protecting them from kind of the world and the culture, but it it literally is kind of the soup in which we swim. And what both of you alluded to, I think is super important is we, as parents, we have to be learners and we have to be learners about our kids and who they are, but we also have to be learners about kind of the culture and, and, and what is this soup in which they swim and what's going on there? I mean, I'm, I'm really close to getting to be real. You guys know what be real is. I mean, you know, I, I my, my daughter and her friends are like, 
Hey, Tash, you got to be real. And I'm like, God, I don't want to. I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty real most times in my life. And so snapping <laughs> this picture and putting it up at a certain time doesn't feel like I'm more real than I would be other times. And OK, I'll jump on because it's, you know, again, sort of the culture that they're in. And I don't want to do it, but I feel like sometimes I I kind of have to do it. And so you know, or at least parents, be aware of it. Yeah, right. I got to know, know what they're it. right. I don't have to necessarily be a big a big player in it, but I do need to understand the game that these kids are in. And then here's kind of one other thing. And then we'll kind of wrap up is, is I feel like um, well, two other things. I feel like when it comes to encouraging parents to be in the game, and we've said it in different ways, we actually talked about it on our last episode as well, is if parents are going to kind of um, really help their kids um, be able to kind of grow in their own faith then parents have to be in the faith game themselves. And Amy, you alluded to this mm-hmm. and Carrie, you've talked about it. We talked about it. But we have to figure out what we can do as ministry leaders to, to, to help parents grow in their own faith. And there may be adult ministry or other ministries in your church that you feel like that's their job. No, it's part of your job too, um, because you're trying to build a ministry to the families and helping parents grow in their own faith is, is part of that family. Um, and, and then here's the last thing is, is that, and I think this is true for us as parents, if you are one, and it's true for us as ministry leaders, um, sometimes the questions that you ask, and I saw, I think this quote literally this morning, the questions that you ask uh, will be more impactful than the statements that you make. Mm-hmm. And we too, I mean, both of y'all talked about sort of, you know, the, having questions or conversations with your kids around, what do you think about this thing, this song lyric, this, whatever. And we, we kind of started years ago at the dinner table where I would say, okay, tonight, um, everybody gets to ask a different question. What do you think about blank? And you you get to fill in the blank as to what we're going to talk about. And all four of us would. And sometimes it would be, what do you think about college football? Um, but recently with our teenagers, it was, what do you think about Roe v. Wade? Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. So as parents, and, and we can facilitate conversations around questions instead of statements. And I would say as ministry leaders, we need to help parents do that. <laughs> Right. And we need to model that on our ministries. We, we also need to help parents do that. So hopefully, hopefully today has been helpful for you as a ministry leader to help uh, parents in your church get in the game. That's why we at Ministry to Parents exist is because we want to help you help parents do that. And so if there's everything that we can do to help, make sure you reach out to us. You can go to ministryparents.com to get more information just about kind of all the resources and all the things that we're doing. And we are just thankful that you would give us a little bit of time here on episode 61 of the Ministry to Parents podcast.